0: that said, God regretting his decisions, and uh, that's going to be our, our topic this hour, and I don't know what Gary was able to come up with to follow me up on this, so we'll see, uh, but it's it'd been up there for quite some time, and I, I think that's because initially, at least for me when you read that, uh, God regretting his decisions, it, uh, it's a little perplexing. Uh, to think about uh, an all-knowing God, an omnipotent God, a God who can see the future and know what's going to happen, you can, it's hard for me to imagine Him doing something and then regretting it, right? I guess uh, from from our human standpoint, if I know the outcome of something and I know I'm not going to like it and I have control over it, uh, I'm going to try to not do it that way so that I don't regret it, right? And so uh, when, when you think about God regretting his decisions, uh, it may be a little bit of a, of a concept you have to process through your mind, but uh, it is something that we see in scriptures. Uh, and <clears throat> I think it's something uh, that we can look at and and Think about and, and realize some applications from it that are applicable uh, for us today. And so that's what I'm going to try to talk about. The first, the first time we see this phrase mentioned or, or this concept of God uh, regretting something or being sorry that he had done something uh, is in Genesis chapter 6 with the story of, of Noah or during the time of Noah. If you turn to Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves all whom they, of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years." there were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was very great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, and so, again, this is the first time we see this. It's uh, pretty early in scriptures. Uh, and, and you know, we don't really know the time frame exactly of, of how long from creation to this point, but, uh, you know, considering what we're talking about, this concept of the Lord regretting or being sorry—that's what we see here. And what is He sorry of? Uh, it says He's sorry that He had made man on the earth, and He was grieved in His heart. And and so we're going to see. There, there's really two main examples we're going to look at. Uh, and a third one that doesn't use the the exact terms of of him regretting, but I feel like we see the kind of the same theme there. but um this idea here in Genesis chapter six of the Lord being sorry, if you look up uh the the Hebrew word here and, and the definition of it in Strongs is this idea of to sigh, uh to be sorry or to repent, uh, and so. Uh, we all understand what those those means. The to sigh, we can kind of just envision that when we're disappointed in how something's turned out. You know, we just kind of sigh in disbelief of it or in, in discouragement of it. Um, you know, to be sorry, we understand what that is. You know, to wish that that things hadn't turned out that way. But keep in mind also this idea that goes along with this word of repenting, uh, and so. When we think about repenting, we think of turning and going in another direction. And, and so that's, that's part of what goes along with uh, this of God being sorry or regretting uh, having created man. And, and He kind of changes directions in a sense here. And again, we're going to see in all three of these uh, examples that I'm going to bring up, there's going to be a common thread that we see in all, all three of them, and that's the reason why. Uh, verse 5 here in this example makes it clear. Uh, he's he's uh, regretting this or sorry because their wickedness was great and the thoughts of their hearts was evil continually. And so it's because of wickedness and sin and evil uh, that he is sorry that he has created man. And that's going to be, uh, you know, spoiler alert if you didn't already know, that's every time, that's why God... Uh, gets to this point, it's always because of wickedness or sin. Uh, And so I think that's going to be the the take-home lesson for us in all of this. The second example is in 1 Samuel. We talked about this not too many weeks ago in our Sunday morning class. 1 Samuel chapter 15 with King Saul. And this, the, the one with around the time of Noah, and then this one are the two most plain uh, examples of God regretting something. In um, 1 Samuel 15, starting in verse 10, uh, this is where Saul has not obeyed uh, the commandments of the Lord. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as a king, for he re- he has returned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. And so, again, this is uh, uh, pertaining to the story where Saul and the Amalekites, uh, he was supposed to utterly destroy them. He did not do that, didn't do everything uh, that God had said. And so we've got Saul, our our God here, Saying that he regrets putting Saul as king because why? Because he's not doing the things that God wants done, and so you know again, that's the the common theme uh, in all of this is is doing what God wants, following His will versus not doing that. And and every time we see God regretting something, it, it's tied to someone not uh, following His will. You know, again, these are the two uh, most uh, specific points that I think, you know, or that I could see in scriptures of, of the where the terms used God was sorry about doing something or He regretted doing something. But a uh, third example that I had thought of that I feel like you see uh, this same concept or really this idea of God repenting or changing directions uh, is in Exodus chapter 32. Uh, you know, right after. God has rescued the Israelites from Egypt, brought them out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness, and Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and we have this story of the golden calf there in Exodus chapter 32. And again, thinking about God changing His direction, uh, repenting, you know, being sorry for, for, for the plan He had uh, or the way He was going. Uh, Exodus 32 and chapter or chapter 32 and verse 7. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them, and they've made themselves a molded calf, and worshipped it, and sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people." Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make of you a great nation. And Moses pleaded with the Lord God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with a great power and with mighty, a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them and to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of I give to you and your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he had said that he would do to his people. Okay, and so again here... We don't have the exact terminology of it saying God regretted bringing Israel out of Egypt, uh, but we do see God uh, saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a whole different direction." Uh, you know, His plan all along for hundreds and hundreds of years, leading up to this, the promises He had made to Abraham and to Abraham's family. You know, we're, they were at the doorstep of, of fulfilling those promises uh, and 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 starting to obtain that that land that had been promised to them. And, uh, you know, here because of sin and because of wickedness, God is, is willing to just turn away from that and go a different direction. And so, again, I think we see, uh, and, and I even felt like in the tone of what God is saying about I have seen this people as a stiff-necked people, you know, I feel like you can just you can just see there that God is frustrated with them and and uh, you know really almost tired of fooling with them because they're not going to want to do His will. And so you see what His thoughts are about that. I'm going to make a nation out of you, Moses. I'm going to just I'm going to go a different direction. Um, and so, again, these are the three. Uh, I guess main examples that I wanted to put forward is along the lines of God regretting His decisions or, or uh, being sorry for His decisions. And, and again, let's think about the lessons or the, the things that we can see uh, about that, that that would give us some insight into our actions today and what they ought to be. You know, all throughout the Bible... We really see this this story playing out over and over again, don't we? We see God with a plan, uh, telling His children what His plan is, telling them how they ought to be, how they ought to live, um, and we see them going against that, going against His will. We see them leaving things undone that they should be doing, and and you can see uh, in especially throughout. You know, I think that's one of the the greatest things we glean from the Old Testament, you can see uh, God's response to that. You can see how sin makes God feel, how it affects Him, what His response is to that, uh, and and it's the same every time. It's that He's not pleased with it. It saddens Him. It angers Him. Uh, it it is something that um, you know is not pleasing to Him, and so <clears throat> when you think about this idea of him regretting his decisions, you can see how uh, our sin, if he's going to allow us to have free will and allow us to make our own choices, which he does, that's also clear, you know, throughout all of Scripture, that he allows us to make our own choices. You can see how our choices can cause him uh, to regret uh, the the things that he has done, and that's what we see that. Sometimes I feel like we see that in these examples. Uh, but that's not all of the story right. And we're going to get to um, really the rest of of the story about all of this. But I think it's important for us to to realize and and balance you know what we're seeing here about about God regretting his decisions with uh, the fact that you know God is not someone who's unreliable. you know some people may, may read stuff like this and think, well, you know, God's not trustworthy. He doesn't follow through with what He says. And uh, that that is not the lesson to be gained from this. You know, in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, it uh, says, God is not man that He should lie, or a son of man that He should change His mind. Has He said and will He not do it? Or has He spoken and will He not fulfill it? And so, you know, that that has to be balanced with what we're talking about, right? We've got uh, verses that show that God is reliable and that He does what He says. He keeps His promises. Uh, you know, that has to be balanced with, with some of what we're talking about. And so that brings to to idea in my mind this question of does God change His mind? Uh, or can God change His mind? And... and in a sense, I would say, you know, the answer to that is yes and no, right? Uh, we see examples of, of both of those of him changing his mind and not changing his mind uh, in scriptures. And, and what is it always based upon? It, it, it's faithfulness, right? When we see him doing those things, it's, it, it's based upon faithfulness or unfaithfulness, Uh, It's not that He's an unreliable or wishy-washy God. It's really because of the nature of who He is. If you look uh, in Exodus chapter uh, 34, and think about the nature of who God is. You've got this just and holy God, uh, one who uh, can't stand sin, can't be around sin, but who's also a gracious, merciful, caring God. And so uh, to put those two things together... Um, I think you can see uh, why God is or, or why God does the things that He does. In Exodus chapter 34, this is just a description of who God is uh, that I picked out that I felt like you can kind of see uh, both of these things. It says, in the, starting in verse 6, And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, Long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. And so again, you have God. This is God really describing Himself here, uh, and and He's describing Himself as merciful and gracious, long-suffering. Abounding in goodness and truth, and one who keeps mercy and who is forgiving, but by no means does he clear the guilty, uh, and he invis. You know, and, and that's really the two sides of the coin that we have to keep in balance as we think about God and think about uh, who He is. And I think that that those two sides of the coin is, is why, when we read some of these stories in the Old Testament, why we may uh see him change his mind and and for lack of a better term uh and that his changing of of his mind is again always based on the response of mankind to to God and to God's will um and so it's not ever God just arbitrarily changing his mind or changing direction right i mean he's he's said what he said uh, and that's uh, is what it is, and that's that's His will. Um, and so He doesn't just arbitrarily change that. Uh, if you look at Judges chapter 2, just by way of trying to illustrate this better, again, not trying to portray God in any way as being uh, someone who is uh, wishy-washy or one who doesn't keep His promises, but rather a God who... Uh, is forgiving and one uh, who is holy uh, at the same, both at the same time. In Judges chapter 2, starting in verse 11, again, this is just to illustrate um, both sides of this. It says, Judges two eleven. it says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals, and they forsook. "...the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord, and they served Baal and the Ashtaroths, And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, so He delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despised them. And He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies." Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for their calamity. As the Lord has said, and as the Lord has sworn to them, they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them, and they turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked. In obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do so. And so... As you continue reading through this, and this is just the basically the synopsis of what Israel does, and and really the synopsis of mankind's general premises is, you know, they turn away from God, uh, and then they turn back to God, and they turn away from God, and they turn back to God, and so um, typically the turning back to God happens because God is able to bring that about through. Uh, punishment or chastisement but you know what i want to think about in this is you know again them coming back to god and god being willing to accept them or us coming back to god and god being willing to accept us it, it's not really him changing his mind per se as it is his nature and part of his promises his promises have always been if you'll serve me uh, you know if you'll be faithful to me uh, then I will save you. You know that that has always been his premises uh, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. I, you see that theme over and over again, and and you can see it so clearly in the Old Testament. This back and forth situation where you have uh, faithfulness turning to to being unfaithful, and then coming back to him. You know when they're unfaithful, God's ready to wipe them out. Right? He's wrathful, uh, ready to wipe them out. And that's because of His holiness and because of His righteousness. And then when they return to Him, if they will return to Him, uh, He's ready and willing to forgive and eager to forgive and, and accept them back. And, um, again, both sides of, of His nature and, and of who He is. And I think we just see this so many times in, in all of Scripture. and And it's brought forward into the New Testament, but... Um, in 1st Chronicles chapter 21 you know, again some further illustrations of God relenting or, or changing his mind in a sense 1st uh, Chronicles 21 this is the story of David numbering the people starting in verse 7 it says and God was uh... This is right after David has done this. Picking up in verse 7. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he struck Israel. And so David said to God, I have sinned greatly because I've done this thing. But now I pray, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I've done very foolishly. And the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and tell, da- go and tell David, thus says the Lord, I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself, that I may do it to you. And so we, we know these three choices that David was given. He ultimately uh, picks uh, the one of the plague. Uh, and picking back up in verse 14, it says, So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent an angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying it, the Lord looked and relented of the disaster and said to the angel who was destroying it is enough. Now, restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And so, we see David's sin here. We see this uh, this punishment uh, that God has prescribed, and, and seemingly in the middle of it, before he's actually fully filled out the uh, completed the full punishment that that he had said he was going to do. Uh, we see God, you know, relenting of that. I believe is the word used there. Uh, in verse 15, the Lord looked and relented of the disaster. And so, again, we see, we see God pausing and, and stopping that destruction. And as you continue to read there, we, you see that His wrath is, is subsided there. And, and he, uh, David is able to, to intercede in a sense. And uh, thankfully, um, I said God's wrath is, is stopped at that point in Jeremiah 15 Jeremiah 15 and again these are all just snippets of this I feel like you can see this in a lot of other places Um, but just to further illustrate this fact that it's not God uh, changing his mind arbitrarily it's always tied to Uh, people's faithfulness. Jeremiah 15 starting in verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, my mind would not be favorable toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth, and it shall be if they say to you, Where should we go? Then you shall tell them, Thus says the Lord, Such as for death to death, such as for sword to the sword, and such as for the famine to the famine, and such as for the captivity to the captivity. And I will appoint over them four forms of destruction, says the Lord, the sword to slay, the dogs to drag, the birds of the heavens, and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. And I will hand them to trouble to all the kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. For who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will bemoan you? Or who will turn aside and ask how you are doing? For you have forsaken me, says the Lord, You have gone backward, therefore I will stretch out my hand against you to destroy you. I am weary of relenting, and I will winnow them with the winnowing fan in the gates of of the land. I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people, since they do not return from their ways. For their widows will be increased to me more than the sand of the sea, and I will bring against them against the mother of the young men, and plunder at noonday, and I will cause anguish and terror to fall on them suddenly. She languishes who has borne seven, she has breathed her last, her son has gone down while it was yet day, and she has been ashamed and confounded, and the remnant of them I will deliver to the sword before their enemies, says the Lord. And so here we've got uh, the Lord telling Jeremiah to tell the people, it's over. He even says, I'm tired of relenting. He, he's tired of giving them another chance. Uh, and so we see this side of God where He can't tolerate this sin. This sin is bad to Him. The evil is bad to Him and hurtful to Him. And, and His holiness won't allow that to continue. But if you uh, continue looking and, and you continue reading this, you see uh, some back and forth here. Uh, if you go to chapter 18 of Jeremiah, chapter 18, starting in verse 5, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up, to pull it down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I have thought to bring upon it. And the instant that I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it up and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I have said that it would benefit it. Now therefore speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. And so, again, we see that's the perfect picture of God's uh, thought process in all of this and and this concept of him relenting or changing his mind and and where does that come from it is it, tied to our faithfulness it's tied to our unfaithfulness you know he says it right there even if i've if i've decided to bring disaster upon a nation if they'll turn and come back to me i'll relent of that he said but even if i've decided to do good to a nation if they quit uh, doing the things that I want to do then I, I will bring disaster upon them and so again you know that, that's really the take home message in all of this that um, God's uh, holiness is balanced with his mercy and his long suffering and, and, and that all of that is tied together in our response to his will and, and, and it's always been that way Turning to Him and doing His will brings about salvation. Whether you're talking about a person or a nation in the Old Testament or whether you're talking about us today, that it's the same story in the New Testament that uh, turning to Him, following Him, being a servant of His brings about salvation and, and turning away from Him brings about uh, destruction. And so, you know, those are the conclusions, uh, I believe, for us to... To draw from uh, things that we see in the Old Testament that that look like God changing His mind, or that are God changing His mind, or or, or lessons we can draw from uh, from God uh, regretting His decisions, as is put in scriptures. So as you as you come into uh, the New Testament again, it's the same story uh, we see in Romans chapter six, verse thirty-two. Uh, that the wages of sin is death uh, and the gift of God is eternal life. And so uh, if you look in Ephesians chapter 6, you see the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Uh, his blessings come on those who obey Him. Uh, <clears throat> Romans chapter 2 is one of the places in the New Testament that it's really good to kind of tie all this up. Together in my mind, Romans chapter 2, we we'll read uh, verses 1 <clears throat> through 11. It says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those who are practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds." Eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. But obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. And so here we've got uh, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you know, showing us uh, that it, it's the, still the same with God, right? Uh, God at judgment will render each according to his deeds. And so he's going to look at, Our faithfulness. He's going to look at were we doing His will while we were here on earth, or were we seeking our own will, uh, as it's put there in verse eight. And you know that's that's the the message of the the, of the hour, and the message of the Bible really is to serve God, to do His will, uh, to turn to Him, to turn away from sin, and and in doing that, we're told uh, just what we read here in Romans. Uh, that those who are willing to do that will receive a reward. Uh, and and the reward of heaven, the forgiveness of sins, and, and that's certainly what we all hope for and want to be striving for as God's children. And uh, you know the choice is ours each and every day. Uh, it's always been that way. God has always allowed man to choose whether to serve Him and obey Him or to serve and obey ourselves. And, you know, we encourage each of us to always serve Him, to always submit to Him. And if if you've never done that uh, and become a child of His through baptism and, and being buried with Him for the forgiveness of your sins, then we certainly encourage you to do that this morning. Uh, if you have done that uh, but have falling back into old sinful ways and, and have quit being faithful to Him. You know, that's the the story we've been looking at over and over again this morning is is those who were children of God turning away from Him and, and going and doing their own will. Uh, but fortunately, the rest of that story is turning back to Him and being faithful to Him and, and His forgiveness, His readiness and willingness to receive that. And if that's, uh, your situation this morning, He's still the same God. He still wants that. And and if you'll just turn back to Him, repent of your sins, and ask for forgiveness, He promises to forgive those sins and, and be restored in His sight. And we uh, invite anyone uh, who may have that need or any other needs of the group here to let that be known as we stand and sing.